Hello, and welcome to What Is My Podcast About? This is a podcast. This is a podcast where we sit down on a fortnightly basis uh, and discuss a topic to find out what we're going to make a podcast about. Uh, My name is Peter Nathaniel Graves Akerley. As always, I'm your host, and I'm joined by my faithful friends. I got to stop adding modifiers. You guys bully me every time I add a modifier. I mean, Uh, Matthew. Keith Ramsey <laughs> and Matthew Grace. Hello. Oh, I'm already sad. This is a good one. Uh, you know, what's the going more on, this guys? goes on, the more I think I just need to start forcing a cold open on you so you can't do this. Yeah, that probably would work. What's going on? Anything interesting in the world? No, the world's the same boring place as it's ever been. <laughs> It's ever so slowly becoming less boring, though. I can confirm that. Um, I recently watched a new movie. That's a thing that's happening more and more often. Um, Either of you guys seen the new Disney movie, Luca? Or the Pixar Disney movie? I've Uh, heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, So you know how Pixar has this whole stint of, like, what if Blank had feelings? Like, what if Toys had feelings? What if Paris had feelings? I thought you were going to say, what if your mother was dead? Because that's another trend they have going. Or at least one uh, th- of your parents. That's fair. Uh, well, this one uh, used the or, uh, posed the question of uh, what if Italian sea monsters had feelings? Um, which turns out it'd be delightful, just like every other Pixar movie. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, neither of the main characters' parents are dead. He has both of his parents. Uh, however, the two like side characters who go along on journeys with him are uh, one of which was abandoned by his father, and there's no mention of his mother. Uh, and the other one is raised by a single father, so presumably the mother's dead. So there's lots of dead parents. There's approximately three Whoa. dead parents between six uh, total parents. Well, you see, Peter, I think you misunderstood the movie, and those are actually the main characters. Uh, that's entirely possible, uh, with the exception of the fact that the movie's called Luca, and Luca's the one who still has parents. Although he does run away from his family because his parents want to send him to the bottom of the ocean forever. Well, that's uh, not fun. Okay, so it's just bad parents. Yeah, it's just bad parents who then have to try and become good parents. And the way they become good parents is by walking into a small Italian village and dumping buckets of water on every child they see. It, the description I'm doing is not great, but I actually found the movie to be really delightful. Now I can't decide uh, I would... if I want you or Matt to describe every movie plot. <laughs> We both do an objectively amazing job at describing plots poorly. Um, I actually really enjoyed the movie, though, yeah. You should watch it. Everyone listening to this podcast should watch it. Interesting. Uh, I'll keep that in mind. So there there were some big stuff that happened uh, over the last weekend, which, uh, surprisingly, no one mentioned up to yet, but E3 happened. Yeah, I was trusting you to be the one who was more up-to-date on current events to tell us about E3. Uh, I think the big thing that probably all of us were the most excited about was we actually got some more footage of Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, it yep. seems like we were uh, right, but in the wrong direction. Instead of everything happening under Hyrule Castle, it's happening in the sky above it. Yes, and I saw some interesting uh, theory crafting that like the link, quote-unquote, that we see in the trailer from the back with the more ancient-looking garbs with the green the uh, cloth over his shoulder might actually be the hero from the tapestry we see in Breath of the Wild when they're talking about the legend of the hero and the princess fighting off the calamity. Okay. There oh, might so be the a little bit of time the... travel. Yeah, time travel has been one that people have been speculating on, uh, definitely, because uh, the Hyrule Warriors one also kind of introduced it, and no. it's pseudo canon. Yeah. I know Mo was responsible for the story. Yeah, but also uh, one point that was brought up, if you look at the tapestry from Breath of the Wild, you'll see that the hero's right hand that he's wielding the Master Sword with is golden as opposed to his other hand, which could relate to the new Sheikah-ish technology that Link has on his right hand as of Breath of the Wild 2. Name still pending. Yeah, assuming it's Sheikah. Yes, because the I thought in the first trailer they when they were discussing the words and like people breaking it down, it was Gerudo text. Mm. And then of course no. we still don't have anything on the Zonai tribes either. Right. So it I'm guessing it's 
well, Sheikah or otherwise, it's some sort of technology that a previous hero was using to seal away the evil underneath Hyrule Castle. And that's where we came across that and the seal was weakening. Uh, I choose to believe that this game is actually going to be a prequel to uh, Skyward Sword and the entirety of the Zelda timeline is going to be a circle. <laughs> um... I, I was actually thinking of it was like, what if they just like, it's so far in the future that it loops back in on itself. Yeah, it's so far in the future that it's before anything that ever happened because it's time is a circle. Just a cycle, just like the uh, the curse where Ganondorf and Zelda and Link are current, always embroiled in conflict. And since Ganondorf has taken himself out of the picture, they have to bring in a new demise to bring the circle well, back closed to full circle. Cycles just... within cycles. I just like the idea of them admitting it's a circle, and then when people ask, uh, when in the timeline does this take place, they just say, before X game, and it's always objectively true because of the fact that it's a circle. <laughs> so every point in the timeline is at one point before that point. But also after it. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's the way you stop everyone from asking where it's take place in the timeline. Yeah. You, give, you create a circular timeline and then give shitty answers anytime anyone asks. And then when they the start Zelda... to play, just say, well, it's canon, so deal with it. Yeah, they replaced the fucking Triforce symbol on the cover of Hyrule Historia with just Ouroboros eating its own tail. <laughs> it's actually more of a spiral, but you get the idea. Yeah. Spiral into madness. <laughs> it all makes sense now. The Zonai tribe symbol is a spiral. Oh, you're actually right. They knew. That's why they got Ooh. removed from the world. Wait, did we actually hit the nail on the head of what's going to happen? <laughs> I doubt it. I really doubt it. I hope. I hope. I, I hope we're exactly right. I hope people get mad at us for spoiling the fucking Breath of the Wild 2 when it turns out everything we said was right. Um, another thing to note, and this is most of the stuff I want to talk about is uh, Nintendo-based stuff, but we also got some announcements for some game franchises that are coming back. Yep. One of which is we're getting a new Super Monkey Ball. We actually, did I miss what? that one somehow? Yeah, we're getting a new Super Monkey Ball because the 20th anniversary. That rolled right past me. Matt, you <laughs> cut that shit out now. You do not get into that shit this early into the fucking podcast. Uh, let's see, they also announced we're getting a new Warrior. Banana wear. Blitz HD, Jesus. Yep. Uh, we're getting a new Wario wear. Oh. Interesting. We're getting that one. Oh, seems less. That one seems less out of the norm than a new Monkey Ball game. I'll be honest. Uh, we're getting Metroid Five Dread. Oh yeah. Um, that one I did hear about. I'm intrigued about that one. I'm hoping that's not the Metroid that we were teased a couple years back. Now. Oh no, because we're getting Metroid Prime Four, and then. You see, because it said Metroid 5, and then it said Metroid Dread, so people are like, is that Metroid 5 Dread, or is it, like, something else going on? But it's the next, at least, 2D uh, Metroid game that we're going to be getting. Yeah. And immediately after seeing that trailer, I was reminded, oh yeah, I need to go back and actually finish the last 2D Metroid game. <laughs> Other M? Uh, no, the last one that came out on the 3DS. Uh, and so here's another one I was actually a bit excited about. Uh, we're getting a remaster of Advanced Wars. I heard about that. That one actually does sound pretty exciting to me as well. I was a big fan of the uh, strategy in those ones. And uh, this other one is not, like, I guess too surprising, but I wish they would have done more for it or did it differently. We're getting a Mario Party, which is a Greatest Hits Mario Party from the 64 era. Yep. So we're getting boards and minigames updated uh, for the Switch. They, I felt like they should have just made this like a DLC pack for the already existing Mario Party they have. Or yeah, it, well, to be fair, fucking Nintendo's trend lately has been taking games from our past that we feel nostalgic for and reselling them to us. And by trend recently, I mean for all time. That's all they've ever wanted to do. I mean, damn, I'm probably gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it, but I probably will end up buying it. Also, there was a shitload of Left 4 Dead clones announced at E3. Yeah, like half the games announced were Left 4 Dead with aliens or vampires or more zombies. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of lost track of like reality when I was watching the Square Enix one 
when this guy just popped on the screen and started screaming about chaos every couple of seconds. I refuse to believe that happened. If if that happened, then I clearly purged my memory of it ever happening. All I know is that man is there for killing chaos, but chaos is somebody else that can't, it, it's a name that gets pat. I don't even know. Just like all we know for sure is that chaos needs to die. Yep, but it could be anyone, even him, I guess. Probably is him, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, there was one other big news thing I actually want to talk to you guys about before we get into the episode. Do you guys know anything about Blue Box? Blue no. Box? Oh boy, then I hope you are ready for the internet going batshit crazy because of Kojima. Or because of not Kojima. Why? What is this? Okay, so uh, some background context. Do you guys remember PT and then all yes. of the stuff leading up to Phantom Pain? Yeah. Yeah. Where Kojima was making fake studios and talking about games that weren't actually games that were really his game. Yep. Yeah. So what's going on is this a company named Blue Box popped up and they're working on a game called Abandoned. And hmm. they keep dropping hits that make it sound like it's a Silent Hill game. And if you look into Blue Box a lot, almost all the photos are stock images for free on the internet, so it's not actually images of the studio. And on top of that, the only person associated with Blue Box on LinkedIn is the guy who uh, runs the company. I can't remember the guy's name, It's some, but essentially the initials are HK. Oh, of course, an anagram. Or not an anagram. Hinting at it being just Hideo Kojima, of course. And if you take the first name and you translate it to Turkish, it translates to Hideo? Fucking of course it does. Uh, and on top of this, uh, Hideo Kojima also recently put out a tweet that has the word Silent Hills in it. But it's like just kind of lost in the paragraph where he's talking about photos. Yeah. So everyone's like, wait, is, is this something going on? Because if you take the Blue Box logo and you invert it, it's the Sony logo. So everyone thinks that Hideo Kojima is working on a Silent Hill game through Sony. And Blue Box Studio is his way of kind of getting around it. The guy that runs Blue Box released a video saying, I'm not Hideo Kojima, I'm not associated with him. But everyone's like, this guy looks too good to be a lead game designer. He's definitely an actor. <laughs> Which, I mean, you gotta have mixed feelings if you're this guy at this point. Yeah, yeah being told you're too attractive to be a game designer. <laughs> but there's, it just, there's so much Hideo Kojima-esque stuff going around this Blue Box studio and this mysterious game named Abandoned. That people are like, is it him? But then there's people inside that like are going down the rabbit hole. But then other people are like, oh no, I have confirmed that it's not him. It's something else. You'll see. And then Jeff Keighley is sitting in the corner like, I'm not going to say anything. Seems pretty interesting, though. I hate how much viral marketing has become a part of fucking game development. To the point where like I have to accept it's a possibility that this is just fucking Hideo Kojima trying to build a bunch of mystique. And even if it's not Hideo Kojima the fucking developer of the game is building Mystique around his game by doing all this bullshit. I hate that that's a fucking thing in the internet now. Well, someone pointed out that we're at a point with Hideo Kojima and like his abs like absurd way of doing things, that if he were to die, there would be conspiracy theories online about how it's a stunt for his new game. Oh yeah, it'd be a game about dying and coming back to life or something like that. People could physically see him buried. It's like, nope, paid actor. The chin's all wrong. Clearly they hired a guy who looked kind of like him, gave him plastic surgery, and then killed him. Oh, yeah, uh, if you get the chance, I recommend going down that rabbit hole, uh, because it is actually pretty fun. I already started looking into it briefly while we were talking there. It, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared of what the world's coming to. Uh, the fan base now, funny that this is what gave it the name, but the people who like go deep into this Hideo Kojima stuff are now being called Kanon. Of course they are. <laughs> oh, all right. Can can we talk about what we came to talk about now? Uh, Does anyone have anything else to say? Yeah. All right. So once again, for the people who are cool enough not to read the title of our podcast to figure out what we're talking about. 
God, there's no one out there that does that. And if they do, I demand you send me a message so that I can be proud of you. Uh, but regardless, for that one person who's doing it, who probably doesn't exist, uh, our episode today is about the best fictional pet. So, talking about pets from different fictional universes and which one of them's the best. So, just to confirm, we have the rules correct. We all picked one pet in the battle royale style, and then we're going to determine who's got the stronger pet, who's the winner. Yeah, of exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whichever pet dies first is the loser, and whichever pet is alive at the end is the winner. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, similar to how we've done a couple other of this type of podcasts, we all picked a separate pet. Uh, we have done no talking amongst yourselves to figure out if we're talking about the exact same pet, so who knows? Well, go wrong. We know all three of us chose the same creature. And then we're just going to put that one creature into a battle royale on its own until it dies twice, and then we call it the winner, I guess? So, that again, analogy only makes sense if we all picked my pet. If you guys pick different pets, then the analogy makes less sense. Well, guys, I guess Abu from Aladdin's winner. Is that who you chose? No, no, it's not actually. I, I was taking okay, a good. shot in the dark. Good. I, I have arguments against Abu. <laughs> Wait, you mean you specifically <laughs> picked, uh, you made an argument against Abu, thinking one of us was going to pick it? Or you have something to say about my choice of Abu if I were to pick it? If you were to pick Abu, I would have words for you. Um, I'll be honest, I looked, me and Matt, before we started recording this, we're looking through some different, uh, like, top ten lists of fictional pets. I was doing it to mentally prepare for something you guys might pick, and Abu was on a couple of them, and Abu is not a good choice for the best fictional yeah, no. pet. He objectively of... fucks over Aladdin by taking shit. And a lot of these lists, like like we mentioned, throw in all these creatures that, sure, they're interesting characters for the story, but they're not something you'd want as a pet. Alright, so before we even talk about what the best pets is, uh, we got to address what the internet thinks the best pet is and how they're objectively wrong, because one of the ones that appeared on a lot of the lists that I was checking out is fucking Scooby-Doo, and Scooby-Doo is a bad pet. He is a great character, he's fun, he's an animated character who lots of people enjoy. He's objectively a terrible pet, because the two things he's known for doing is running away and leaving his owner in absolute danger, and eating all of the food that his owner prepares for himself. Very fun character, objectively a terrible pet. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a pretty good track record of winning these arguments up to this point. I think uh, we might have gone into this a bit differently, and I'm not looking uh, too hot on winning this. Fair. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, Matt, on our Discord call, you're first alphabetically, so you get to go first. What's your pet? Okay. So, the best pet from fictional universes would have to be good old Toothless. Okay. From How to Train Your Dragon. I'm not surprised you picked a dragon. I'm not the least bit surprised you picked a dragon. Uh, <laughs> I was correct about my assumption that we did not pick the same animal. There's that as well. That's good. Uh, That's good. Explain to me why Toothless is the best animal. Or best pet. Well, as you've already pointed out, <clears throat> Toothless is a dragon. And... Uh, more specifically, in the world of How to Train Your Dragon, Toothless is a Night Fury, a very rare breed of dragon that is said to be the unholy offspring of lightning and death itself. Real strong argument in the four column. Are there any cons to this pet? I'm... No. <laughs> How convenient. I was making a joke, but Matt's fully into this. All right, let's go. <laughs> Tell me some other pros then, Matthew, other than him being the birth of lightning and death. Real strong starting point. I, mean, I, I might have a con here. He's toothless. Well, only when he wants to be. He has retractable teeth. But no, he's... He's toothed, Matthew. He's toothed. He is toothed. And I do believe he's one of the fastest dragons in that universe. Feared okay. is one of the strongest and most deadly also. But he's also very intelligent and very playful and loyal. So, like, he's never a energetic and intelligent puppy. So when you refer to him as loyal, that's kind of like saying, like, he would never abandon fucking 
Hiccup? Is that the name of the character? Yeah. Hiccup. Yeah, he would never abandon Hiccup for, like, say, a, a girl dragon. That would never happen. Because he's too loyal. He was very remiss about doing it. They would never make an entire movie about how to adapt to the fact that your <laughs> dragon pet has abandoned you forever. But they also go to show that uh, they I mean, will never forget each other and will always remain friends. I, I mean, there's an important question here. How fine was that female dragon? Okay, um, I'll I wait just... on this one. She was very fine. Uh, point accepted. Oh, okay. Okay, I was going to say that I can't really speak for dragons. No, nah, she did. She did the uh, the Nala eyes from Lion King. She, she was pretty fine. Oh, the Nala eyes. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> Keith doesn't. At least Matt might not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on from the weird comment I said. Tell me more about Toothless Matthew. <laughs> Right, so, well, as was just pointed out to me not too long ago, kind of uh, comes to be a pet in the old way that humankind used to make pets. Was uh, shooting or trapping an animal, injuring it, crippling it, and then domesticating it. Yeah, that's true. Toothless, he was American. toothless he was... shot down, uh, or uh, hiccup shot down toothless with a uh, net catapult. Permanently crippled him so that he could never fly without toothless or without hiccup again until hiccup invented new technology that allowed him yeah. to fly solo. But for the longest time, was incapable of flying solo. Flying without, yeah. And so, because of that, it allowed uh, a chance for the two of them to develop an unbreakable bond between each other. So you're saying if I want to get a pet for myself in the real world, I should just physically cripple a real-world pet until it loves me? I mean, you shouldn't, but you could. <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> oh, I got an important question here for you, Matt, then. Uh, mm -hmm. What makes Toothless the best dragon, let alone the best pet? Uh, his camouflage. He typically, hunts at <laughs> he typically hunts at night, and because of his black scales, he's very hard to notice in the night sky. Unless you're like some bitch-ass Viking who's never caught a dragon before, you can snipe him out of the sky with no problem. I'm just saying, True. what what separates Toothless from, say, Peter's favorite dragon of Spike from My Little Pony? Yeah, exactly. What oh. what makes him better than Spike? Can he talk? Spike can talk. No. He actually <laughs> breathes fire that hurts people. For one. I mean, Spike probably could if there was someone he wanted to hurt. He also eats fish as opposed to grass and rocks. He eats actual meat. Sounds like a spelling. Uh, it sounds like you're trying to make that a selling point, but yes. To be honest with you, uh, fish is more expensive than me just sending him in my yard and telling him to eat all the grass and rocks he wants. Okay, well. Uh, yeah, how are you paying for this dragon, Matt? We're being real difficult. I'm not looking forward to talking about my own bed. I'm bringing the same game to you. Oh, and we're going to get ready to bring the same energy to you, Keith. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but All I'm emotionally right. frail. That's fair. Uh, that makes it more fun for me. Yeah, but uh, Toothless has like plasma blasts, essentially, for fire. Can short-distance teleport and turn invisible for short amounts of time. Teleporting via turning into lightning somehow. And also, due to the events in the second How to Train Your Dragon movie, Toothless becomes the Alpha, and thus is able to control all of the dragons around in the region. Yeah, he becomes like a dragon king. It's Pretty much, yeah. So if you have Toothless as your pet, you not only have Toothless, you have every dragon in the vicinity also as your pet. Exactly. Which would be real impressive if dragons were real. Yes. Important question about this, and it's kind of related, uh, and it will make sense why. Uh, would we consider Baby Godzilla a pet? Hmm. Uh, I don't... Maybe? Because Baby Godzilla is just Baby King of Monsters. I mean... It depends on... I, was there ever a scene where someone owned Baby Godzilla, or had any amount of control over Baby Godzilla? Uh, there was uh, a Japanese kid that walked around with Baby Godzilla, and they were pretty good friends. So if we're going to get Scooby-Doo as a pet, then... 
Okay, yeah. yeah. If we if we can count if we count Scooby Doo as a pet, then <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I love that daisy chain of logic we just used of because we count Scooby-Doo as a pet, we have to accept that Baby Godzilla is a pet. I don't disagree with it. I just love that that's what it came to. Yes, Baby Godzilla is objectively a pet. We proved it by talking about Scooby-Doo. I'll be honest. I didn't really have a follow-up for that statement. Okay. I can accept that. We've just uh, kind of accepted the fact that our definition of pet is apparently quite broad. Maybe we should take a moment to the just like really hammer down. It's a non, I would argue it's non-human. Once you start having a human or sentient other human, like a fucking elf or something, uh, the word pet gets stretched into slave a little bit too much. So I would say a non-human being that is owned or at least closely accompanied by a human or humanoid. Does that work for all of us? I might need to change my pet. Well, what is your pet? And we can argue whether or not it's a pet. Uh, I was going to say Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The the cat? But it's not not technically a cat. He's technically a wizard who was transformed into a cat. (laughs) I mean, I do have a backup if we don't want to accept that. Mm. Uh, I'll accept it because... he also turns into a person multiple times through the series, but you can't see his oh. face. Oh, then uh, then I don't think so. Because <laughs> if he can turn into a person, then he's not really bound by the limitations of being a pet. Yeah, he was imprisoned into being a, like, a house cat for like the first three or four seasons, and then every so often he gets to turn back. Yeah, I so I went to the um, Sabrina Wikipedia or the Sabrina Wiki to see if they mentioned Salem being a pet. They never do. They only ever refer to him as a 500 year old witch who was sentenced to spend time as a cat. So I unfortunately think we have to go with the argument of not actually a pet. Okay, I will switch my pet to my backup. So what's your backup pet? My backup is Hobbs. From Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. For a second, I thought you were going to say Hobbes from Hobbes and Shaw. And I was like, Keith, still not a pet. But yes, uh, Hobbes uh, from Calvin oh, sorry, and Hobbes. I, I meant like... my, my backup is actually Debbie Grayson. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that one, yeah, kind of is a pet. Uh, for unfortunate reasons. But no, we're not talking about that. Uh, Hobbes from... Uh, nope, not Hobbes and Shaw. From Calvin and Hobbes. I will accept Hobbes as a pet. That... Are you opposed to Hobbes being considered a pet? No. No. Cool. What are some of Hobbes's finer points, Keith? You see, the amazing thing of having Hobbes as a pet is he has amazing powers of strength, speed, and cunning, but also he turns into a stuffed animal and no one knows. It's true. He uh because he's an imaginary pet. He has been known to take care of Calvin quite aggressively. But at the same time, no one is aware of his existence. Yeah, he's a live tiger, but only to his master. Yeah. In all other forms, he is a uh, just a teddy bear. Or not forms, but in all other situations. Teddy tiger? Tiger bear? What's the word? I'm, uh, I, think he's te- just a, I think you're trying to like mash up teddy bear and tiger. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Uh, he's a stuffed... uh, Oh, stuffed animal is a phrase that already exists. We'll use that one. He's a stuffed animal. (laughs) Watch out, he'll choke you with his stuffing. But all in good fun, of course. Yeah, uh, I think he's objectively not an imaginary animal because the writer of the series specifically came out and said uh, he's objectively real, but only from Calvin's perspective. He's powered by imagination. Yeah, he is a real tiger. So yeah, he's a real pet. Yeah, I'll yeah, I mean, it. he works kind of the same way as like the Winnie the Pooh stuff. Whereas Winnie yeah. the Pooh initially was supposed to be, oh, they're just stuffed animals that Christopher Robin's playing with. But then later stuff is like, oh no, they were made real by imagination. Uh, because another person we're friends with has been talking about Warhammer a lot recently, he kind of operates under the orcs logic of Warhammer, where 
the power of belief causes him to exist. Yeah, and, and the amount of stuff he can do, like, he can bring you stuff, you can hang out and have, like, fun times with him. I think really the only specific rule is if someone's looking at you, he's stuck in that form, kind of like the Toy Story animals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of that, I think he even breaks the fourth wall. And what that means in our reality, I'm quite interested to find out. It means that Hobbes is aware he's in a comic and thus is aware of a world outside of his Oh, that's fucking horrifying. It's similar to how when it comes to fucking Deadpool, a lot of people talk about his regeneration being his greatest power. No, his greatest power is his awareness that he exists inside a comic book. Uh, so the fact that Hobbes has that same power puts Hobbes on a pretty powerful scale. Also, another strong point for Hobbes that I'll be willing to admit, um, he's the only one of our three pets who can talk. <laughs> also, uh, just in case we got in the argument of whether Hobbes was real or not, and if that gave him any leeway in the fight of him being a stuffed animal or a tiger, uh, I wanted to just point out some few occasions here where uh, we've seen Hobbes do things that uh, with Calvin that were impossible if it was just Calvin, such as Calvin uh, being completely tied to a chair in a magic trick, and then he couldn't escape, so Hobbes had to untie him. Fair. Um, I do... Oh, I don't deny that he's real. I think, think we all fully accept that Hobbes is real, uh, and there's some shenanigans going on in the world that allows him to exist with no one else realizing it. I do think the fact that he turns back into a stuffed animal, if anyone else is paying attention to him, could definitely be considered a pretty strong weakness. Because if we go back to our Battle Royale situation where we're going to be dropping all of our pets into the arena together, I feel like if there's any spectators watching it happening, Hobbs can't possibly win because of the fact that other people will be aware of his existence. Yeah, but at the same time, like, that's usually people because he's trying to keep it secret. If he's in a pit with a dragon and whatever you picked, I don't know if that still qualifies. Fair. Yeah, I'll give leeway for that. Can't really ask how you're going to feed him, because that kind of goes without saying. He's already stuffed. Always. Matt? Also, I don't know if you guys have ever gone down the rabbit hole of the theories on if Hobbes is real or not, but there's a lot of like stuff like Hobbes goes information that Calvin could not have before Calvin has it. Yeah, there's also the fact that I'm pretty sure Hobbes is like more mature than Calvin to the point where people are convinced that Hobbes existed before Calvin owned him. Hobbes existed before Calvin was born in some senses. Yeah, well, if I believe uh, correctly, uh, the first few comics has Calvin specifically catching Hobbes. Yeah. Hobbes even admits that he has a dad. Yep. Which is kind of fucked. It's just a rare species that no one's aware of. Yeah. Not to mention Hobbes kind of has a thing for Susie. A little bit, yeah. That was a bit of a reoccurring thing, was Hobbes and Susie. I still can't stop picturing fucking uh, The Rock every time I say Hobbes. <laughs> I mean, if that helps, just, just imagine The Rock as Hobbes in a Hobbes costume. It doesn't help, because when we talked about him being infatuated with Susie, that makes it so much worse. <laughs> I want a live-action Calvin and Hobbes movie with The Rock playing Hobbes. The Rock, not even, like, using CGI to make him look like Hobbes. It's just The Rock wearing, like, a tiger costume, which still has his face cut out for you to see The Rock playing Hobbes. That's what I want. Now, one thing I do want to say is if I was going straight down the I'm going to win this purely on like a physical fighting context, the pet I would have picked would have been Stitch. That's fair. Stitch is also incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yes. But I'm, I'm just going to go easy on you guys oh. to pick Hobbs. I'm kind of going down the Hobbs rabbit hole right now. Oh yeah, now. the Hobbs rabbit hole is great. Alright, fuck it. Um, well, it seems high time we mentioned the best pet of all time. Um, Hobbs too. Sorry, it, Sorry, you guys were close. You were close, but you weren't quite there. Uh, it's Fox from Harry Potter, the Phoenix. Um, <laughs> oh. Point point number one. What's the worst part about owning a pet? 
Neither one of you want to answer? I'll tell you right now. It's the fact that the moment you get that pet, you know that in a couple of years, you're going to have a really tough fucking day, and it's just going to make your life worse for a couple of days. And then eventually, maybe you get over it, maybe you don't. Who the fuck knows? You have a phoenix as a pet, that day never fucking comes, because that shit is immortal. That shit lives for fucking ever. I mean, we have no reason to believe that Hobbes isn't immortal. Fair. There are other benefits to Fox as well, though. Uh, the fact that his tears can heal any injury ever, meaning not only your pet is immortal, guess what? You're now immortal too. Never fucking die again as long as you got a steady hand on those fucking tears. Um, there's also the fact that he can lift immense weights, which sounds ridiculous, but also means that anytime you want to go for a flight, Phoenix is there to carry you wherever you need to go. Um, he has... A very particular and magical form of teleportation, which is weird to say when talking about Harry Potter, a <laughs> world where magic exists. But they go out of their way to say multiple times that you cannot teleport into or out of Hogwarts, no matter what. There is so many different blockers and magical barriers and shit that keep you from being able to teleport into or out of Hogwarts. The fuckers no are always what doing do. that. Fucking... Fox is capable of teleporting not only himself, but also fucking Dumbledore outside of Hogwarts after he's been almost caught by the police, which means, you heard it right, Fox believes in snitches get stitches. He's always going to help you out of a bind if the cops are chasing after you. (laughs) Yeah, it's Fox. He's a phoenix. He breathes fire. Point about the dragon. Yeah, he's not the only one who breathes fire. Uh... Immort- immortality, so he's winning that fucking deathmatch battle royale uh, because he can't die. Uh, well, can his tears cure your house from being burned down? Because I don't know about you, I'm... but I definitely do not have the facilities for a firebird. And his tears can't also recover his stamina, and if he can't hurt a combatant, well, then he's not killing that combatant. Matt, I don't care if the arena has to last for a thousand years. Your animal will die eventually. We've already seen that fucking Toothless apparently has the lifespan of a normal human being in that once he reached 18, he was ready to fuck girls for the rest of his life and abandon his owner. So how about in a couple hundred years when he's died, Fox will still be there kicking. Doesn't matter if he doesn't have the ability to damage your thing. He can just outlast it. Yeah, but the fight will be long over. Because, uh, despite the fact that this is called a battle royale, doesn't necessarily be a fight to the death. Because if... Yeah, maybe it's well, a cooking contest. Well, it's not going to be a cooking contest, but if, for instance, an immortal creature, which is very possible in the realm of fantasy pets, and fictional pets, um, yeah, that's oftentimes not going to happen, so until one or both can't fight anymore is a reasonable conclusion to a fight. Okay, so he burns the contraption that allows Toothless to fly and then flies up into the air. Toothless can no longer fight. Congrats. Yeah, we didn't actually mention the fact that Toothless not having you know, the ability to fly without the contraption is gone. And he can still fight on the ground. He can fight on the ground, but if fucking... Other enemies fly away from him, then he can't chase them. His firebolts are projectiles, too. Like, it's not a typical dragon's breath kind of deal. Yeah, but they still have a projectile speed. Yeah. Which means that they have to take time to travel towards an opponent who can teleport. Yeah, but also Falks is, well, running away is not going to be able to do anything to Toothless. Uh, one second. Uh, so according to the creators of How to Train Your Dragon, all the dragons have a different limit for the number of times they they can shoot their fire breath or their projectile attacks, as you said. Uh, and for Night Furies, that limit is six, uh, which means that if Fox dodges six times, then by your rules, uh, Toothless can no longer fight and is thus kicked out of the fight. And no longer fire shots doesn't mean that he can't fight anymore. If his opponent is nowhere near him and he has no way of attacking him, he can no longer fight. But that also brings up the fact that if Toothless isn't fighting, 
then Fox isn't fighting because a fight has to involve both parties. Oh, but Fox still can fight because he can still swoop in and claw at. Yeah, and Toothless, Toothless. can still fight too, regardless of shots. If Fox comes in, Toothless can attack. And also, you're, uh, Toothless's light contraption was replaced with fireproof materials anyway. Your argument was that the fight ends as soon as one of them can't fight, and the moment. Is unable to fight being one of them running out of stamina and not being able to continue. The fact that Toothless would uh, run out of shots does not mean he runs out of stamina. Or I'm just like saying, unconscious. I'm just saying, the moment that an uh, opponent has to wait on actions for someone else kind of implies that they're incapable of fighting under their own actions anymore. Implies they're unable to fight anymore. If you're waiting on your opponent to do something to allow you to participate in the fight, you're not fighting anymore, you're reacting. Okay, so Falk's flying around waiting for an opening to attack a dragon that it can't possibly hurt is also it being unable to fight. Who says, Fox can't, who says Fox can't possibly hurt the dragon? How is Fox going to hurt the dragon? He clawed out a fucking basilisk's eyes. You're telling me that that's impossible to do on a dragon who also has big doughy eyes that make him look like a cat? A dragon that is much faster than a basilisk. You see, you guys are arguing about semantics, because if I know one thing, sooner or later, everything turns into Calvin Ball. And then when that happens, that's when Hobbes wins. Calvin Ball? Yeah, You don't know about Calvin Ball? Yeah, everything turns into Calvin Ball eventually. It's a sport that Calvin and Hobbes invented. Everything eventually turns into Calvin Any form of competition eventually turns into Calvin Ball. And the only one who can win is Calvin and or Hobbes, because they're the only ones who understand the rules. I, I know that there's no precedent for it as well, but for some reason, with the whole concept of him breaking the fourth wall and powered by imagination, I'm starting to get the feeling that he might just be like a Deadpool-esque character, which is kind of horrifying. I mean, yeah, probably. Except for the fact that... Uh, he's a tiger? Well, that, and he's still sane. I mean, maybe. <laughs> there's debate on that one. Well, I don't know that he's canonically insane say the least. He's not outwardly uh, calling attention to a lack of sanity. We'll put it that way. There was one time I remember reading one of the comics where he was doing Calvin's math homework for Tuna. Or was it Salmon? It was one of the two. And then uh, he couldn't get the answer for a subtraction question, so he just put down the land of Georgia. That, that's the level of sanity we're dealing with here. It is a very common thing for him to uh, do... Calvin's math homework for him because Hobbes is better at math. And by better at math, I mean he comes up with the fact that 3 plus 8 equals 6, and that's better at math than Calvin. <laughs> or 3 plus 8 is, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Also, the way he got 3 plus 8 equals 6 uh, is just... Uh, you know what? I'm going to read the exact quote from the comic, and you can tell me if this sounds like a sane person or not. Well, first, you assign the value as x. x always means multiply, so you take the numerator, that's Latin for the number 8, and you put that number on the other side. Then you take the 3 from the other side, so what's 3 times 8 equal? Oh, the answer is 6, of course. That doesn't sound like a sane person to me. I don't know, that was sound math. And all of a sudden, I don't feel like talking about this podcast ever again. (laughs) Um... I think we can all at the very least agree we picked three very good pets. Yes. One of them was clearly better. Clearly we all independently in our own minds know which one's the best pet and don't need to confirm out loud because we all just know the truth for ourselves. Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Exactly. Not a pet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. God damn it. Uh, were there any other honorable mentions of pets we should bring up that were good pets? Uh, I actually uh, had two more that I wanted to use, but I decided that I was going to use Salem, but then I had Hobbes as my backup. Fair. Uh, the first one I had listed, and I think you guys are going to be like, oh, this is a good one when I mentioned it. Uh, Brain from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, the one I had prepared as a backup, um, which I wasn't willing to argue because I wasn't willing to do enough research to figure out how good of a pet they were. I just had vague memories of them being a good pet was Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, 
the only thing I remember is that calling him a big red dog was a bit of a misnomer because his size was variable. He went from the size of a Great Dane to the size of a building, depending on what the plot needed from him. I mean, both those are big red dogs. They are. It, yes. It's a It'd be more big, accurate to say he's the transmogrifying dog. Red it's a dog. big red plot device. <laughs> the red dog of variable size. I mean, at least none of us picked those like generic, like Airbud, Lassie, Babe. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. If any of you brought that shit to the table, I would have never recorded another podcast with you guys. I think the best pout that exists in any form of fiction is just a normal dog that has the ability to talk or play a sport really good. Yeah, uh, a dog that I played catch with a football because a football was the only ball I had present. So now that dog plays football with me. Then there was the MVP, the most valuable chimp. Uh, that one, primate. I, uh, yeah, most valuable primate, and it was the uh, monkey who played basketball. That one I'd be more accepting of. He played hockey too. Oh, that's true. He did also play hockey. He also, was a very valuable primate. <laughs> just to take a, to take a moment uh, for some of the plot of uh, the Airbud series, where the rules are well, it doesn't say a dog can't play, and the ref just kind of let that slide. Has always kind of bugged me. Oh my god. Well, the thing that was most annoying is I could be mistaken, but my understanding was that those games all took place in the same universe. Or not games, those movies. So the fucking Airbud games all took place in the same fucking universe. Which means that a fucking dog joined, say, a baseball team and started playing in the outfield, catching the balls and getting outs. And the refs in the town was in a big uproar about how. That dog can't play baseball and doesn't say anywhere in the rule book that dogs can't play baseball. First of all, every sports rule book objectively limits who can play the sport to human children. Every single one of them lists a species in the fucking rule book. But regardless, if you accept that in this universe, the rule book didn't mention that it has to be a human playing the sport, you really think that it could be national news that a dog played fucking baseball and was allowed to compete and cause quite an ups? in the fucking finals because the fact that the team that won had a dog on the team and none of the other like fucking minor league sports would look into their fucking rule book like huh I guess a dog can play our sport let's add a rule real quick saying dogs aren't allowed to play our sport yeah or they just go back and add or they just go and add two dogs to their team that's true or you just have a team that's just a pitcher and then 12 dogs that's your team for baseball (laughs) for the next season I guess they just elected you... <laughs> to not do that because it would cause too much of an uproar. Oh, you're not allowing dogs to play? Well, what about that one other team that allowed dogs to play? Or, or they don't even... Oh, you're allowing dogs to play? Well, that's unfair for the other teams who don't allow dogs to play. Even better, they take it a step further. And, like, the, like, country club team, that's the bad guys from the first movie, they have, like, Air Bud the next year. And it's just that team hired, like, a professional pitcher, and it's like, nowhere in the rule book does it say that fucking this professional pitcher from the New York Mets can't be our pitcher. <laughs> nowhere in the rule book does it say we couldn't build a pitching machine to pitch the ball for us. Fucking 90s movies. It's the equivalent of someone showing up to the Little League game that's clearly an adult, and then they just pass you a slip of paper that says, I'm nine. That objectively happened in a movie. Oh, fuck, what movie was that? Um... Oh, God. There was a baseball movie where they hired, like, the bad team hired an adult pitcher to, like, be their pitcher for a game to defeat the good guys. And there's literally a scene where the ref comes up and he's like, are you, you're too old to play in this, aren't you? And then the adult pitcher hands him a piece of construction paper that says, I'm nine with a $20 bill inside of it. And he says, here's my documentation. And the ref's just like, he's good to play. Let's go. Which... Is a weird scene, and I'm annoyed that I can't remember what movie it's from, but in addition, the ref was bought for like 20 bucks, which is not a good sign. Okay, that I'm, he's that fucking broke that 20 bucks would allow him to ethically compromise himself. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I also remember the scene, but cannot remember the movie it's from. <laughs> uh, another good one, actually, to mention, and uh, I feel like there's going to be some hot debate on this one, but Gizmo. Yeah. Uh, I have complaints about Gizmo. Less so to do with Gizmo, and more so to do with the fact that if you want to raise Gizmo as a pet, you need to study a 20-page rulebook with vague rules that 
are not clearly laid out. Yeah, well, there's don't always been the, the debate of feeding after midnight, right? Yeah, that's the big yeah. one. Don't feed them after midnight. It's always after midnight. When am I allowed to start feeding them again? Although they do draw attention to that in the second movie as well. About how stupid the don't feed after midnight rule is. I suppose that's better than nothing, but still kind of dumb. You see, yeah. the reason I want to say Gizmo is a great pet uh, is in the second movie, he watched Rambo movies, and then he decided he was going to be Rambo and started taking down other gremlins. <laughs> True. He made the little paperclip bow. It was great. He made a very functional gizmo. Okay, I'm less upset with this. Uh, sorry, I went down a IMDB rabbit hole to try and figure out what movie that scene where Buddy hands the ref a $20 bill and tells him that he's nine. Uh, apparently it's from The Benchwarmers, which is the Rob Schneider movie about three adults who join a kid's Little League team. Which I immediately have no problems about that guy handing the ref a $20 bill and telling him he's nine, because there's already adults playing in the Child's League and everyone's okay with it. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, Rob, no problem. It's a Rob That's Schneider it. movie. Yeah, it's a Rob Schneider movie. I'm not allowed to complain about it. It's already that dumb. Uh, you mean that good, right? Uh, yeah, what did I say? I don't know. I didn't hear it. It was just static. Yeah, of course. What I said was, it's just that good. Um, go. Yeah. 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 Uh, did we have any other fictional pets to talk about? Yeah. There's one pet that I'd like to bring up. Uh, brings out a similar vein of the imagination as Hobbes did. And that is the good old dog slash character from the old TV series Wishbone. Oh, is that the one about the dog who's an archer? Yep. Pretty much. Kind of. Yeah. It's pretty much Robin Hood. It's a normal dog, except for the fact that he has a very active and vivid imagination. So he imagines stories of, I guess, historical moments or some fictional moments where he is the main character. In one instance, he imagines himself as Robin Hood. So he's got a very active imagination, and in said imagination world, he is quite renowned. Wait, so to clarify, your argument for another dog, uh, another fantastic pet is a dog with a vivid imagination? Uh, th that's why I didn't bring him up as my actual good pet, because it's just a dog. Uh, yeah. It's an imagination. But like... The dog can't talk, so you don't even understand that he... Yeah, for all know. you know, every dog has a really vivid imagination. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of the same problem, like, if you pick any show that's, like, uh, like an animal that just, like, it has its own personality. For example, uh, the Homeward Bound series, right? The humans don't know what the animals are saying or thinking. It's The yeah. stories are just because it's from their point of view, so picking them is the best bet. It's like, well, not really, because they're just a normal dog. Yeah, or, like, uh, dogs who want to go see their owner. Or like Perry the Platypus from fucking Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, he's also a spy. No one fucking knows that from your perspective owning him. He's just a fucking platypus. <laughs> or the hamsters from Hamtaro, which are just normal hamsters that talk and go on adventures. Yeah. Um, which, oh, by the way, you can't go on their adventures because you're too big. Of course. Uh, another one I did want to bring up uh, was Doug the dog from Up. Uh, I understand I did just shit on people for theoretical people for suggesting they just want a normal dog. I will make the argument of you give a normal dog the ability to speak and I'm immediately 100% more on board with picking that thing. So Doug the dog from Up with the fucking collar that allows him to talk and share his thoughts with the world immediately makes him uh, 10 times better as a pet. It would get annoying real fucking fast but until it did, it'd be yeah. real fun. Actually, there, there is two more I kind of want to point out. Uh, these ones are more generic, and that's kind of why I didn't go with them. First off, uh, any Pokemon. Yep. I, because in the Pokemon world, it is stated numerous times throughout many of the games that people keep Pokemon as pets. Yeah. So which is... It doesn't specify which Pokemon, so for... And that brings know, us back to the, the whole... character could uh, keep Arceus, the god of Pokemon, as a pet. It, regardless, it brings us back to the fucking uh, toothless argument of 
to make a Pokemon your pet, you have to physically abuse it until it loves you, and that's just how that works. Yep. Uh, well, that's how then... it worked for Toothless. They were just nice to all the others, and they followed suit. Yeah. But still, yeah. the argument stands. Yeah, and then the other one I was going to go with it is a Digimon. If I was going to go with that route, though, I'd specifically pick Gabumon. Yeah. But it's a little harder to uh, argue Digimon as pets, because... Sure, they're all creatures, but in that digital world, they'd be the equivalent of like humans to our world. And in Digimon, they never really mention them as pets. They are always friends and companions and partners. Yeah, Digimon so, definitely is more in that awkward position where you have to make some like leaps and yeah, jumps. You, you and Pokemon, there's just argue so many either way. Yeah. So I went back to that website I was talking about earlier with the rankings of pets to see if there's any other honorable ones we should mention. And they list Garfield as a good pet, which is the same fucking problem as Scooby-Doo, except he's objectively, from John's perspective, a normal cat, except he will eat an entire pan of lasagna at regular intervals, and that sounds like the like most annoying cat. fucking pet you could ever own. Oh, a except... cat who you occasionally have to bake an entire pan of lasagna for? Except he's not. I'm sorry, John. I was just too hungry. <laughs> I mean, I don't think all, with, all of the creepy pasta Garfield. <laughs> within the world of Garfield, Garfield is a normal cat, though. Like that's one thing I, I kind of I feel like I have to push against. It's established with interactions with other characters, not just John, that Garfield does kind of speak and have like interactions and stuff like that. Does he actually speak? I thought John couldn't even fucking hear him. And it was just he spoke to Odie, and Odie couldn't talk back. I Can Garfield actually talk? I believe so. That's entirely possible. That's just a detail I clearly missed out on when I was reading Garfield. It was always my understanding that we were just hearing his thoughts, essentially. Yeah, If he can, it's a plot point that's not brought up all too much. All right. Uh, well, in that case, I think that's... Uh, a pretty solid discussion on, on fictional pets. Uh, given that we're now getting a little bit more response from the questions that we're posing to the outside world, do we have any answers from our question for last time of fictional movie monsters that should have been in Resident Evil 8? Yeah, we do have a, a few answers here. Let's get this up. And we'll take a moment and explain why you're wrong for each and every one of them. Okay, uh, so uh, we got... I'll have to say, I'm not surprised with them. So from uh, HeyJ underscore 13 stated that the Mothman should have been in the game. Mm, it, I don't... I See, I'm not surprised by it. I don't technically disagree with the idea of a Mothman character being in that game. But what I do disagree with is the fact that we specifically asked for classic movie monsters, and Mothman has appeared in movies, but is not a movie monster. It's like Mothman's a cryptid from a specific region. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, I know this is a brief tangent, but I, I, I just remembered because uh, where Matt said the magic word cryptid, and uh, this person also sent me uh, a video uh, from TikTok specifically explaining the cryptid Bigfoot, and I want to share this with you. And apparently someone did the research, and apparently furries existed back in that time, and they're almost positive that Bigfoot is someone's persona, and the person oh. is too scared, proud, or dead to come forward now. Oh my god. Because apparently... Yeah. There's a, there's a thing I didn't know existed. A furry heat map exists. And guess what? The Bigfoot setting, the famous photo, is in one of the heat, uh, heat spots. Oh my god. That is not something I... Uh, See, I didn't think it was possible to ruin Bigfoot, because I didn't think Bigfoot <laughs> was cool enough to be ruined. Like, I didn't think there was a lower level to bring Bigfoot down to to consider him ruined. But that person did somehow manage to just ruin Bigfoot for me. Congrats. Uh, so another response we got was from Tachi underscore Camargo, who stated werewolf. Yeah. Uh, from what I understood, Tachi spoke to one of us personally and corrected herself once she realized that the lichens are werewolves. But we still have to point out, no, werewolves were in the game. Most of the town were considered lichens, which is just werewolves. Already Which, included in the game. Uh, to be fair, the confusing thing I'm finding about this is I never really thought about it. I, I know lichens and werewolves are the same thing, but why are there different words for it? 
Uh, I think it's just like it is like the Middle English world and word and werewolf is uh, how we've come to understand it. It's like I think uh, I could be wrong, but I think werewolf came from a kind of Latin phrasing or something. Uh, werewolves originally came from English folklore and lichens. That's probably the Latin one, honestly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Latin. I found it. Late Old English werewolf. Wolf yeah. with a U instead of an O. First element, Old English were, meaning man. Essentially, it's just two different mythologies had very similar creatures, and then we just decided to use both words instead of just picking one. Yeah. Okay. I think like the modern interpretation uh, for the difference is a werewolf is a human who turns into a wolf. And a lichen is just a humanoid wolf, is the modern difference, although their mythologies are pretty much identical. Anyways. At this point, they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Well, anyways, I clearly saved the best one for last. Uh, so this was uh, from Amy Longley, who stated Keith. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I agree. Keith should have been in the game. Uh, as a fictional movie monster... And not a part of this podcast. Uh, now, uh, I'm going to make you guys do a little bit of work. What would my level look like if I was the monster in the game? Uh, it would look like a normal house. Uh, no, it wouldn't. The further you go, just the more, well, slight things would slightly become a little more off just the further and longer you explored. Like, off in what way? Like, uh,. At first, it would just be all of a sudden there's a picture tilted, but then you'd go uh, Keith, into a room gonna... that you were already in before, and then it led somewhere else. I, I'm going to make this real easy. Keith, your level would look like a normal host, except it's the host from PT. <laughs> and then you get to the end, you actually find it. I just built a spiral house. Yeah, it's just slowly spiraling downwards, and you just think you're walking on the same level all the time. They get the end, they see me there, it's like I was just building something that represents myself. <laughs> It's it's actually just Constantly you trying to dig downwards. It's just you digging further down when you get to the final level. You're like you're not supposed to be here yet. It needs to go down forever <laughs> until it oh, loops back onto itself, just like Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Entirely yeah. the Penrose stairs. Uh so that's all the answers we got on Instagram for the last question, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so we need a question for this episode. I think the question's pretty obvious, uh, in that which fictional animal would beat Toothless in a fight because Matt seems to believe <laughs> that Toothless is unbeatable. Uh, no, in all honesty, it's probably which is the best pet, but I don't want any of your bullshit normal fucking dogs as a pet or any of the bullshit of a pet who's objectively more work for their owner than a normal fucking pet. I want a pet that would actually be beneficial to own in some fucking way, shape, or form. I want to prove that internet ranking system wrong, because it's wrong, and they're stupid. Yes. I still don't agree that Slimer should be on that list. I mean, depending on the Ghostbusters medium, no. he is. Just no. It, it depends on when in the timeline that vote took place. Um, Alright, uh... Time to call people out on Instagram. Well, not call people out on Instagram. You know, yeah, call people out on Instagram. Did anyone successfully guess today's episode? So we have one guess that is kind of close, I guess. Uh, so this one's also from Tachiki underscore Camargo on Instagram, who st thought that we were talking about gremlins today, which I guess we kind of did. Yeah, we kind of did, but also, gremlins. as we pointed out, gremlins are objectively one of the worst pets you could own. So it's kind of the opposite of what we were trying to talk about. Just kind of came up during the conversation. Uh, all right, time for recommendations for uh, shit for people to check out. Um, Matt, what's your recommendation? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie that someone actually briefly mentioned in this episode. I uh, swear to movie... God, if it's Air Butter Lassie. No, it's Homeward Bound. Good movie. A movie yeah. Yes, a movie I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, events happen at the beginning of the movie, and three pets, Chance, Shadow, and Sassy, Sassy being a cat, Chance being a bulldog, and Shadow being a nice big golden retriever, um, 
they believe or they come to the belief that they've been abandoned and they set out on a long journey home because Shadow, the old dog, doesn't want to be alone and wants to see his owner again, the good loyal dog he is. So they set out from the ranch that they were left on across the Rocky Mountains at the beginning of this. And, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Keith, what's your recommendation? So I am actually going to recommend an old game called Monster Rancher. Ooh, I actually remember that one. Now, the thing that made the original Monster Rancher game so fun was, essentially, it was you summoned monsters from discs, and you trained them up as your pets uh, for doing combat things. But how the game worked was, because the PlayStation was one of the first consoles to introduce the whole ability of CD reading, uh, the game mechanic was actually you would put random CDs into the console when you were playing the game, and it, depending on the code on the game, on the disc, it would summon a different monster. That's pretty fun! They've had similar things applied in later versions of the game, such as doing like random drawings on the screen and stuff like that to summon specific monsters based on patterns. I like it. Yes, so do I. Uh, the anime had a bitchin' theme song. Yeah, it did. Uh, add that to a list of games I want remade. Well, I'm sure if you give Nintendo enough time, they'll start buying up other people's IP to remake. Um, I was originally going to recommend Marley and Me, which is a dog about Owen Wilson owning a dog. A, a dog about Owen Wilson. A movie about Owen Wilson owning a dog and wow. the entire life cycle of that Damn. dog. Uh, and then yesterday I started playing Stardew Valley again uh, and had a phenomenal time and in that game you get to own pets too so now i'm recommending stardew valley go play stardew valley because that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go play stardew valley wow all right now i get to do the outro because i we did the recommendations and i didn't fuck it up this time except i did fuck it up but we're editing that out probably and maybe this ends but who knows maybe not maybe <laughs> keith will just leave it all in uh so we thank have you. A history of messing up our outros so, uh, once again, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Remember that you can find us on all major podcasting platforms. You can also find uh, videos with uh, uh, our podcasts on YouTube. Uh, easiest way to reach out to us is via Instagram, where we post images whenever we release an episode, whenever we record an episode, and when we ask a question. We're starting to post our questions to Instagram in fun little forms so you can get more involved with talking to us there. If you don't like Instagram or if you want to send us a more long-winded, wordy thing that makes us read and think about life, remember that you can also reach us by emailing us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. That's whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. All those words are spelt the way they're normally spelt. If you have any questions or if you know what our podcast should be about, be sure to reach out to us via one of those two forms. And make sure you tune back in in a fortnight for our next episode where we're talking about... What are we talking well, about? Next week, I'm going... Or next episode, I'm going to be behind the wheel, so we're going to be going at it a little furiously. Sounds like fun Terrifying. for the whole family. <laughs>